What's up? It's Marvin of the Miles Ahead Podcast. And for today, I'm going to be giving my perspective on the NBA and the NFL. So some of the topics I'm going to be talking about is Kyrie Irving's six steps that he has to go through. The Brooklyn Nets. Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas's beef. Kawhi Leonard. As for the NFL, I'm going to be giving my perspective on the Vikings versus the Bills game, the Cowboys, and Patrick Mahomes. So that's just, you know, a brief synopsis of what I'm going to be talking about in this episode. So basically, I'm just going to dive into the episode. But first, I want to tell you guys to like, comment, and subscribe. Check out the channel. Show your support. I have about 40 plus episodes on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple. And about 14 episodes on YouTube. So let's just dive into the episode. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the Kyrie situation. So he has to go through about six steps in order for him to get reinstated back into the league. And basically, he just passed his fifth game in terms of him being suspended. So... Essentially, he's being suspended indefinitely. And I believe that that's wrong, especially since he just posted a link. And basically, you know, he's not really, you know, somebody who committed a crime. He hasn't done anything really harmful to anybody in terms of stealing from them or you know, killing anybody, he's done none of that. He doesn't have any abusive baby mama drama type of issue either. So I feel like this is all wrong and it really does look very bad in terms of the steps he has to go through. You know, if anything, I think that Kyrie Irving, he probably should just retire because he's never going to be able to say anything freely or openly again. Okay, I think that Kyrie Irving, I mean, to me, he already did seem like somebody who wasn't really going to last in the league that long anyways, and he was never going to get the credit that he deserved from what he did in the playoffs in 2016. But I also believe that you know, the media, they're just going to be bothering him for the rest of his career. They will be. They're not going to stop. Is Kyrie Irving willing to go through all that? That's the real question. I mean, he has to see it down the road, that they're not going to stop. So some of the things that he has to go through is he has to complete sensitivity training. Complete sensitivity training. Are you serious? He has to complete anti-Semitic and anti-hate training designed by the Nets. Meet with the representatives from the Anti-Defamation League and Jewish community leaders in Brooklyn. And one of the other things that he has to do on top of donating $500,000 already. 
he has to meet with the owner and the leaders of the franchise officials. And not only that, he has to demonstrate that this type of situation will never happen again. So my question is, is hypothetically, if Matt Razor from the Bills was able to get out of his rape allegations, will this type of situation have the same energy if he was to try to go back into the NFL? Or what about Brett Favre? If Brett Favre gets out of this, somehow, some way, which I don't believe that's going to happen at all. But, you know, if he were to get out of this, even by being affiliated with these people who were taking money from people who are less fortunate in Missouri, remember, the state of Missouri is the poorest state in America, right? If he was to get out of this, would the media treat him differently? Of course they would. Okay, he's a great football player, right? But at the end of the day, you know, does he care about necessarily what other people are going through? No, he doesn't. But at the end of the day, that's that's the type of situation that happened. But the mainstream media, they're not covering him like they are Kyrie Irving. You know, Kyrie Irving, I mean, I believe that this has gone on for maybe about a month now. You know? And each media outlet, they're all going extremely hard. Extremely hard. Okay? And they haven't stopped. And as for somebody like Chad Wheeler, on the other hand, if Chad Wheeler was to all of a sudden want to come back into the NFL, would he be able to get back into the NFL? I mean, the NFL, I mean, they accept players for what they are, right, in terms of what they've done in the past, because it's all about talent, right? I mean, Ray Rice, he was never able to play again, but I've seen other people be able to play. So for somebody like Chad Wheeler, it's not being covered the same as Ray Rice. It's not. And as for somebody like Kyrie Irving, for posting the link and not committing a crime or not doing anything potentially harmful to anybody, really. This has just gone over the top, like I said in the last episode. You know, all Kyrie Irving was trying to do was just find out where he's from. Because essentially, what everybody thinks is everybody comes from slavery. Everybody's from Africa. And from what I found out is that that's not all the way the case. 
It's not. I mean, like I said, in my previous podcast, you could just ask Benjamin Franklin when he said everybody was swarthy and tawny all over Europe. Those aren't lies. Just do your research on that. I mean, from fifth grade all the way over until I was in college, I was just hearing, hearing about slavery, 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 the civil rights. Those are the only leaders that we can look up to. And to me, what I found out is black is not a race. It's not a race. I mean, I knew that for some years now, but now I'm saying it's not a race. It's not a culture. It's just a color. Okay? It's just a color. Black, it just is a corporate designation that's built to divide. That's all it is. All right? It doesn't tell me who I am. It doesn't say where I come from. It doesn't do any of that. Okay? So in the documentary, all it was just talking about for the most part was where Kyrie Irving came from. All right? Now, I haven't seen the documentary. Now, I'm not going to pass any judgment on something I haven't seen. But I will say this, from what I know about the Bible, is basically in Genesis 10, when it describes somebody who's Semitic, okay, it talks about from what line they come from. It's a line of people from the line of Shem. Okay, so if you do your research on that, all right, and then you'll find other things pertaining to, you know, what Kyrie Irving is trying to find out. And he found out where he's from. Okay. So basically, when it comes to somebody like Kyrie Irving, like I said, I think that he should probably just retire. Okay, he's never going to be able to get the credit he deserved. None of that. Not only that, he's definitely not going to the Hall of Fame for sure. He's not. Even though his numbers definitely should get him in, but he's not going to get in. Okay? You have people like Shaq and Charles Barkley going at Kyrie Irving. And Shaq had the movie premiere at his movie theater. How does that make any sense? I mean, I've seen some people retract their words once they saw what Kyrie Irving had to go through in order for him to get back into the NBA. I mean, this is just emasculation at its finest right in front of you. Not only that, when it comes to Shannon Sharp, Stephen A. Smith, and let me see, Jalen Rose, they all had to walk back their words on what they were seeing. They all had to. 
Even LeBron James had to walk back his statements. Okay? LeBron James, he basically said in the press conference that Kyrie Irving was causing harm. And he said this, that, and the third, when really LeBron James should have said no comment. Okay? He really should have just said no comment. But at the end of the day, he didn't say no comment. Okay? He decided to put his two cents in. And nobody asked him to do that. He should have just said, I just want to talk about basketball. And everybody would have been straight with that. But he did it. And it's funny how, you know, Nike wants to drop Kyrie Irving. Right? But they won't drop Tiger Woods for his situation that he was going through. They won't drop Brett Favre. They won't drop LeBron. I mean, LeBron, he literally just said not too long ago, you're next to a cop who was actually in the right in terms of him taking somebody's life at the point. Okay, he saved somebody from getting killed. Okay, he saved a little girl, all right, who was being jumped. And the bully was coming at her with a knife. And he told her, to drop the weapon, okay? I think about three times and she didn't drop it and she rushed towards her and the cop shot her. But I didn't see LeBron James get condemned for that. I didn't see LeBron James have to go through any sensitivity training or have to go through any types of issues pertaining to that. I mean, what about when LeBron James had the word nigger spray painted on his property. Did that really happen? Or was that just a political situation that was just made up? Because we still haven't seen the perpetrator. We still haven't. He has not been caught. We have not seen that person. I mean, that was four years ago. Shouldn't it have been reported by now? You know, especially in Beverly Hills, because there's cameras everywhere, right? Cameras everywhere. And that person was able to get away with this? Or did it even really happen? Did it really happen? So who is LeBron James to really talk? Who is he? To me, he shouldn't be talking. So again, I think that Kyrie Irving, you know, he's going through a lot right now. And, you know, I just don't think that he's going to be able to stay in the league that long. And also pertaining to the Kyrie Irving situation is essentially the owner of the Nets, Joe Sy. He's coming at Kyrie Irving saying, you need to show that you're more apologetic. He said that to him and basically 
you know, that doesn't make any sense because Josiah, he's funding the genocide. Okay, this company funds a genocide for the Chinese to go at the Muslims. That's what he's doing right now. But nobody's not going at Josiah for what he's been doing. Okay. And not only that, the bigger picture in this situation is I also believe that essentially when, when it's all said and done, I believe that these documentaries and the book is going to be taken off of Amazon. Okay, I think that that's, I, I believe that's gonna happen eventually. But as of right now, it's still there. It's been there for four years. But what I also believe is going to happen is there's also gonna be a whole lot of other books that are gonna be taken off of Amazon as well pertaining to our history, okay? So what I believe everybody should do is they should either buy the books now or have to pay 400 plus dollars, <laughs> you know, in order for you to get the information about your history, okay? So that's just my perspective pertaining to the Kyrie Irving situation. So I just think that Kyrie, he's going through a lot and hopefully he gets, you know, some silver lining in this, but I don't really see it happening. You know, I believe that the media is going to go at him for the rest of his career. If he doesn't retire, then, you know, I think that he's gonna put himself out. So that's just my perspective on the Kyrie Irving situation. I don't believe that he should even have to be going through this. So basically, that's just it. So I'm going to move on to the next topic, which is the Brooklyn Nets again. So the Brooklyn Nets, they feel like they have been doing better without Kyrie Irving. You know, they've been doing okay so far. They've been playing well defensively. But I do not believe that this is going to help them win a championship necessarily. But the only reason why they're doing better is because Steve Nash is gone. Okay? Steve Nash was a terrible coach. He made bad adjustments. He never really did help the team. So, so that's the reason why that the Nets are doing better. That's the reason. It has nothing to do with Kyrie Irving being out. I I feel like if Kyrie Irving gets back in this lineup, that they could potentially win about 40 plus games. Okay, they could still make the playoffs and you know, we'll see if they can make some noise with the pieces that they have because they have some very good acquisitions on that team. So I'm going to move on from this topic. Okay, so for the next topic I'm going to talk about is Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas's beef. Okay, so essentially, Isaiah Thomas, he brought up how Michael Jordan was being disrespectful to Isaiah Thomas in the documentary. Okay, 
And he did not really like that at all. Listen, Isaiah Thomas, he's one of the forgotten all-time greats. I believe that he's either top 16 to top 20 all-time. He's one of the greatest point guards of all time. Okay. I will put him in top three. But, you know, some people, you know, they would put him below John Stockton. And John Stockton, he never won anything. Okay. And basically, that's just not right in general. But, hey, who am I to tell ESPN to readjust their list? Huh? Even though I'm just going to come up with my own list anyway. So, basically, Isaiah Thomas, he's one of the all-time great point guards. And, you know, he battled with Michael Jordan and stuff like that. And he beat Michael Jordan. Okay, at least two times in the playoffs. And he beat him in the regular season quite a few times as well. Now, when he beat Michael Jordan in the playoffs, it was with the rookie, Scottie Pippen. Okay, a rookie Scottie Pippen and the system that they were playing in which was under Doug Collins, it was just basically Michael Jordan and get out the way. Okay. And, you know, MJ, he had his numbers and he did his thing. Okay. And all the other times where Isaiah Thomas was beating Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, he did not have great help on his roster. Okay. And then Basically, from there, you know, Michael Jordan, he took Isaiah Thomas six games, took the piss in six games. And from, from the next series, they went seven. And the only reason why that it did not really go in Michael Jordan's favor is because Scottie Pippen had the migraine and that cost him the series. So that's the reason why they lost that series. But obviously, you know, MJ, you know, he's not really talking about the beef like that at all. He's cool. So essentially in the last dance, Michael Jordan, he called Isaiah Thomas an a-hole. Okay. He never said his game was bad or any of that, right? And the Pistons, if you look up, you know, their, their highlights on YouTube because it's a lot of highlights that weren't shown in the documentary in The Last Dance was kind of saved Isaiah Thomas. But the Pistons, they were really – a rough team, okay, they really did used to beat up people in the early 80s, I mean, in the late 80s, okay? And that's not being shown on what the Pistons used to do. They really did used to be a conniving team, but they were also a great team, okay? They were very high IQ level basketball team. They were, but they didn't have to do all that in order for them to win. 
But I believe that, you know, they they also believe that helped them. So basically, Michael Jordan, you know, he gave his take on Isaiah Thomas. Like I said, he never said he was a bad player. He never said that the team was awful. Okay. But he did say that the Pistons, you know, they helped them get stronger and they helped them get stronger mentally and want to get stronger physically. And the next thing you know, he took off. So basically, you know, on Michael Jordan's end, you know, it just seems like it's just one-sided because MJ, you know, he's not even thinking about Isaiah Thomas like that. It's probably just cooling and chilling around with his family and stuff like that. But as for Isaiah Thomas, he brings it up like nearly every year, pertaining to their beef. So my question is, is, will Isaiah Thomas ever get over it? And my answer is no. I don't believe that they will ever get over it. I mean, Michael Jordan, he was able to beat Isaiah Thomas in 1990-91 season. But Isaiah Thomas was not old, okay? Isaiah Thomas was 28, and I believe Joe Dumas was 29, and and Dennis Rodman was 31. Okay? So everybody was saying that Isaiah Thomas was too old and the Pistons were too old. That was not the case. It was not the case. So, and... As for MJ and Isaiah Thomas, like I said, I just think it's one-sided. And I think that Isaiah Thomas, you know, he just needs to get over the fact that that basically the 1992 Dream Team situation, it was not solely on MJ. He was not the sole reason on why Isaiah Thomas did not get on the 92 Dream Team. Yes, I believe he deserved to get in, at least above Christian Leitner or somebody like John Stockton. He deserved to get in. His credentials definitely should have had him in. But it wasn't just Michael Jordan who did not want Isaiah Thomas on the team. Okay? It was Larry Bird. It was Magic Johnson. It was Carl Malone. It was David Robinson. It was Scottie Pippen. Okay. So this has nothing to do with the handshake at all. Okay. It was a whole lot of people who did not want you on that team. But that never gets talked about. And that's it on my perspective on the Isaiah Thomas and the Michael Jordan beef. So Kawhi Leonard, he has been going through, okay? He has degenerative knee issues, okay? I don't believe that he's going to be the same player, and I do not believe that he's ever going to play 
70 plus games in the league. Okay. Kawhi Leonard, he will be the Mr. What If. What if he plays 70 plus games? Would he be an MVP candidate every year? Would he take home an MVP? Will he be winning championships all the time? Okay. Will he be essentially better than Kobe? Okay. Because he's extremely efficient. He knows when to take a shot. He knows when not to. Not only that, he has very high basketball IQ, and his defense is elite. Remember, he did win the Defensive Player of the Year twice. That's something that Kobe has never done. Or Michael Jordan. So the thing is, is when it comes to somebody like Kawhi Leonard, I mean, he's the only person who has the championship experience on the Clippers, okay, who plays for that team other than Tyron Lue. You know, he's the coach, and then you got Norman Powell as well, who won a championship with the Raptors that year. But otherwise, that's it. And to me, I just think that Kawhi Leonard, you know, he, ha he has to figure out what he's going to do from now on, okay? Because he may not even play in the league that long either because of his issues with his needs, okay? I do believe that Kawhi Leonard is definitely a top 75 player of all time, for sure. But do I believe that Kawhi Leonard could be potentially placed in like a top 15 status all time in the NBA? Yes, he could have been. Because he's already done something that Kevin Durant has never done in terms of leading a sole franchise championship, okay? I mean, the Toronto Raptors, prior to getting Kawhi Leonard, had never even been to the finals, okay? And they were never able to outplay LeBron James. I mean, LeBron James swept the Toronto Raptors a few times. So, so basically, I just think that Kawhi Leonard, you know, he's going to be the ultimate what if. What if he stayed healthy? Would he be on that top 10 status? You know? Because if he would have stayed healthy throughout this whole year, he would definitely be a top five MVP candidate. But he's not. And I just think that he's never going to play 70-plus games. So that's it on my Kawhi Leonard perspective. The next thing I'm going to move on to is the NFL. So now I'm going to get back into where I left off at. This will be a part two in the podcast. Basically, I'm just going to talk about 
the Vikings versus the Bills game. So this game was amazing. I mean, it was so much drama. You had the Vikings wanting to prove that they are one of the one of the elite teams in the NFL, and they are a contender. That's what they wanted to prove. And then you had the Bills wanting to bounce back from the last game that they had and putting fear within the Vikings that they are that team and they're not to be messed with. Okay, it was so much drama in this game. And Kirk Cousins, he wasn't really playing that well in the first half. He had maybe about three turnovers in the game. And then in the second half, he really did show up in this game. Now, remember, it was a one o'clock game. It was not prime time. Okay. But he definitely did show that he's confident and his teammates are confident in him to make the requisite plays to get victories. Now, will this happen in the playoffs? I don't know. We will see. But hopefully he will ride high on this game and remember what he did in this game. And hopefully he could take it towards the playoffs and we'll see what happens from there. But as for the Bills, on the other hand, look, it was essentially looking like it was going to be a blowout. Okay? Within the first half. All right, you had Josh Allen, who was on fire. He was practically unstoppable, making elite throws left and right. And then in the second half, you know, he showed that there's still some problems there, okay, that you can't force everything to be a touchdown, okay? He's at that stage of I'm Superman and everything relies on himself. and to me, he's not that great enough to be able to do that yet. Okay? I felt like he should have taken a few checkdowns within this game, but he decided to just throw the football carelessly. Okay? It just looks really bad that the Bills are 2-9 and nine when being up by three points or fewer. Okay? That's a terrible stat. Okay? So to me, I feel like I should potentially take them off of being my Super Bowl pick. Okay? I'm going to remake my Super Bowl pick before the playoffs start. As of right now, I don't think it, I do not believe that the Bills will be able to get to the Super Bowl. The only way that they'll get to the Super Bowl is if Josh Allen is hot. That's the only way that they'll be able to get there. If his rhythm gets disrupted, then it's over for the Bills. They may lose in the first playoff game. Okay? Because they have a really good defense. They have great receivers, and they have a very good running game. Okay? But they were not able to get it done. All right? And Basically, I also bet in this game, okay? I lost money 
only because I had a big parlay of nine different bets. Okay. I got all my football bets right. Okay. I got all of my football bets right. But for the NBA bets, okay, I got about two wrong. And that all counts as one bet. <laughs> so I lost the whole bet. But I did bet on the Vikings to win that game. So basically, the parlays, you, they cost a lot of people. But I, I like to try just to see what would happen. But I was wrong in terms of the whole bet in general. And basically, when Kirk Cousins had tried to QB sneak, okay, he tried to QB sneak in fourth and inches, literally. It might have been fourth and centimeters, but it was that close, right? They should have definitely ran a different play because Kirk Cousins weighs maybe about 185, okay? There was no way he was going to be able to get past 300-plus pound level defenders, okay? I know, I just did not think that, that was going to happen. And as soon as that happened, I turned off the TV, Okay? Because I thought that the game was essentially over. There's no way that the Vikings could come back from that. But, hey, Josh Allen, he fumbled the football. And they ended up scoring a touchdown. Now, all of this does not happen if it was not for the Justin Jefferson play. Okay? I believe the Justin Jefferson caught the greatest regular season catch in NFL history. Okay. I believe that this is better than the Odell Beckham Jr. catch because basically Odell, he did not have a defender on him, really. Not only that, they lost that game and they didn't even make the playoffs that year. So, yes, that did catapult Odell Beckham Jr. to star levels. But in terms of his play, it did not really amount to anything in terms of them making the playoffs that year. Okay? Now, this catch is different because there's so much at stake. Okay? You got a team in the Vikings who's riding high off the momentum of winning seven straight games, okay? And you got the Bills who are trying to come in and assert their dominance. And for him to make that catch on fourth and 18, that's just all around elite, okay? He's either the first or the second best wide receiver in the league. There's no debate about that. He's extremely confident. I mean, he had 193 yards in receiving and about 10 receptions and one touchdown. Okay? He was somebody who could not be stopped. All right? He was a, 
a huge problem for that defense. He was catching footballs, being double coverage, triple coverage. I mean, even in that play, I mean, everybody they want to go at, the cornerback in Cam Lewis, who was not able to come up with the interception or smack it down. But at the end of the day, it takes a lot of will and wherewithal to be able to still catch that. Okay. I just felt like the guy, Justin Jefferson, he just had more willpower at that moment. And then on top of that, he also had the wherewithal to keep it off of the ground. So then there's no question that it wasn't a catch. That's just great. So basically, the Vikings, they proved that they are a contender in the NFC. And basically, the Bills, they proved that they're not as great as everybody makes them out to be. They're just not. So that's my perspective on this game. It was an amazing game. And basically, I believe that this game was game of the year. Game of the year. So that's my perspective on it. Now I'm going to move on to the next thing that I want to talk about in the NFL, which is the Cowboys. Okay. The Cowboys, they lost to the Packers. Okay. Now, this game was a tight knit game at first. Okay. But the Cowboys, they started to make the separation towards the fourth quarter. Okay. It was, a, they were up 28 14 at that time. And basically, Aaron Rodgers, he had only one good receiver during that time, which is Christian Watson. He was extremely fast and he caught three touchdowns. And he had over 100 yards in receiving. He did ball out for sure. But I just felt like it definitely took a lot of growing pains throughout the season for Aaron Rodgers to trust Christian Watson. And once that he did trust him, they ended up connecting on some really good throws from Aaron Rodgers. And like I said, Aaron Rodgers, he was on point this game. He did his thing. I wasn't so sure if they were going to win this game. But I did think that it was possible. Okay, because Dak Prescott, he just has the ability to lose to elite quarterbacks. Okay, he loses to Patrick Mahomes. He loses to Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. Okay, those are the type of quarterbacks that he loses to on a regular basis. I mean, he's even lost to Joe Burrow. So basically, I just think that Dak Prescott, he's just an overrated quarterback. And their coach, Mike McCarthy, he should have just kicked the field goal. 
I don't know what he was thinking during that moment. You know, maybe, maybe he was thinking that, you know, we're going to blow out the Packers in their building. That might have been exactly what he was thinking because, you know, they have a great defense and their offense is subpar. But I, I also feel like it's very possible that they could have won with Cooper Rush. It's very possible that could have happened. But it did not end up happening that way. And that Prescott cost them, and also their coach did as well. And now the Cowboys, they have to face the Vikings next, who are extremely hot. We don't know exactly what kind of Derek Prescott are we going to get. Plus, then on top of that, the Cowboys, they're ranked very badly in terms of their running attack when it comes to the defense. Okay? They cannot stop the run. They're able to get to the quarterback, but stopping the run, they can't do that for some reason. And Michael Parsons, he is a beast. Okay? He is a problem. But he has to be able to help the guys to be able to get the running back as well. Okay? So, I haven't made any predictions for this game. I will make predictions, but just not yet. But as of right now, it's looking mighty bleak for the Cowboys. It's very possible that they could lose on Thanksgiving. And it's also very possible that they could end up losing to the Giants as well. They could end up being out of the playoffs, despite how great their defense was playing this whole year. So, and then on top of that, I also believe that C.D. Lamb, he's overrated as well. This is the first time he was able to catch over 100 yards all year. So, that's just my perspective on the Cowboys. As for the Packers, on the other hand, look, Aaron Rodgers, he did his thing in this game. They kept running the football with A.J. Dillon and also... Aaron Jones, I mean, he bought out as well. So, you know, and then on top of that, like I said, they also had Christian Rocks, Christian Watson, who bought out. And do I see them making the playoffs this year? I think that it's still possible, but I wouldn't bet on it. So that's just my perspective on the Cowboys and also the Packers. So now I'm going to move on to the last and final topic which is based on Patrick Mahomes. Look, Patrick Mahomes, I feel like personally we're taking him for granted now, okay? He has been balling all season long, okay? He has a whole lot of key victories that will put him ahead in the MVP race, okay? Everybody, they want to talk about Tua, right? But Tua, he's missed three games, okay? Not only that, Tyreek Hill, he's been balling all season long. I cannot take that away from him, right? He might get over 2,000-plus yards. He might. Very possible. But at the same time, I feel like his, his success has also been 
in conjuncture to Tua, doing well as well. Okay, Tua, he's been extremely accurate. And Tyreek Hill, he has been balling. So, I mean, if you want to give a double MVP to the both of them, you could do that. I don't mind that. But to me, I just don't think that Tua has played enough games to be able to be in the MVP conversation. I mean, he's still in the conversation, okay? As for Tyreek Hill, he has been depending on Tua, whereas when he was with Teddy Bridgewater, they lost all three of those games, okay? Now, Tyreek Hill, he still didn't get his numbers, but they didn't win those games. So, and then when it comes to somebody like Jalen Hurts, they just lost to the Washington Commanders yesterday. And to me, I don't really think that that looks good for Jalen Hurts in terms of him winning the MVP. He would have had to go on undefeated throughout this whole season in order for him to win the MVP because his numbers do not stack up to Patrick Mahomes. Okay? Patrick Mahomes, in the last game against the Titans, okay, he threw the ball 68 times. Now, I personally think that they should have ran the football more, right? They only ran it four times. I don't know what Andy Reid was thinking there, but I felt like that definitely could have worked more for their favor, but Patrick Mahomes, he ran the football in himself. He was able to get a touchdown. He also ran for maybe about 60-plus yards, and he was able to make it happen for the team. Then on top of that, the Titans' defense, they was playing great defense. They were taking away the deep play in terms of Patrick Mahomes getting, you know, a deep wide receiver catch from somebody. And they were able to get to Patrick Mahomes in terms of the pass rush. So that was working for them as well. And Patrick Mahomes still won that game. All right? He's just a magical player. He comes up clutch, unlike somebody in a Josh Allen. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he has an above 54% when it comes to coming back and getting a win despite the opponent leading. Okay, that's his winning percentage, 54%. That's higher than anybody in NFL history. Okay, we got to put more respect on Patrick Mahomes' name. Not only that, he has... 25 touchdowns to seven interceptions. And also, so far on the year, he has a 106 QBR rating. And not only that, he's also leading the NFL in passing yards. Okay? He's just a problem. And guess what? He was my dark horse to win the MVP. And it's very possible that if everything goes right, he's going to win the MVP. I mean, he's on pace to have about 40-plus touchdowns and just only 10 interceptions. 
I mean, he could not be stopped. Plays with way too much swag out there. And to me, as of right now, it just seems like the AFC is going to have to go through the Chiefs. That's just what it seems like. And that's off of the strength of one person, Patrick Mahomes. Remember, Andy Reid had never won a Super Bowl prior to having Patrick Mahomes. Now he has them, and now they're the one seed in the AFC. So we're going to see what happens with Patrick Mahomes. And in these playoffs, we're definitely going to see what happens there as well. So that's my perspective on the NFL. And basically, I just want to tell you guys to have a good rest of your week. Don't forget to hit the like, comment, and subscribe. And remember, let's not be inches, feet, meters, nor yards. Let's be miles ahead. Have a good one.